Buffalo Bills came back home for the first time in a couple of weeks and grinded out a victory over the Tennessee Titans. They defeated the Titans by a score of 13-12, to a last-second field goal from Steven Hauschka helped them to their second victory of the season, even though at times it looked like they were the worst team in the league. <laughs> at least from an from an offensive perspective the the bills uh although they overcame it and the defense certainly helped lead the way and now they have their second victory in 5 weeks and hey don't look now but they're in the hunt man they're in the hunt you're just a game out of the wild card folks they're in it wow wow well, just one game out i know and they have an offense that can't really do much of anything. But we'll get into all of that. My name is Joe Piscalia. With me, as always, is Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, recapping this game where it was won, where it was almost lost, and uh, all the in-between, of course. But we'll get into the offensive side of things um, in, maybe in the second half. But when... The Bills have to, uh, they have to, or at least for a few minutes, I should say. When you look at this game and when you try to remember it a year from now, which I don't think many people are going to because this game was unremarkable in almost every single way, the the storyline of it is the defense really coming to play and having perhaps eh, their best it's right up there with the Vikings win. Having as good of a performance against the Titans as they did against the Vikings and forcing turnovers, not allowing the quarterback to get comfortable, and really being every bit of what uh, the Bills had expected them to be coming into the season that was, quite frankly, um, nowhere to be found in the first two weeks. So the defense is what stole the show for them and what helped keep them afloat and that's going to be a similar track as to what we're seeing for the majority of the season if they're hoping to rack up some rack up some victories here like we've gone over time and time again yeah and they did it all without Micah Hyde who is you know a big leader on the back end in terms of communicating and you know making sure everybody has the calls Dean Marlowe got called up from the practice squad and played significant you know time out there so it was an impressive performance against a bad offense, uh, I think. That's what makes, I think, the Vikings one more impressive just because they went on the road and the Vikings can play offense. They have some good players. The Titans, I mean, this is what we expected coming into this game was a you know a game that would be ugly, a game that would probably be low scoring, and you have two teams that in an ideal world, like to run the football and play defense. And, you know, the Titans are like the Bills last year where they're off to a good start, but, you know, they're not necessarily looked at as one of the top teams in the conference because of the way that they win close games. There's a good chance that team will back into the playoffs somehow, just like they did last year. So definitely an impressive game from the Bills' defense all around, I think, you're starting to see that this defense, you know, the returns are there for all the, the draft picks and money mm-hmm. they invested into the group in the offseason. 
And that's at least an encouraging sign because, you know, as we talked about this week, you know, when you're trying to determine whether you trust the direction this team is heading in, sure, they didn't do much to address the offense, and the offense looks really bad. But they spent their resources this offseason on the defense. And at first, you looked at the defense and said, what did they spend their money on? Because Mm -hmm. it it didn't look good. But Mm -hmm. now it's starting to look like they went out and found some some good players. And Jordan Phillips, another one who, you know, got thrown in this week and, you know, made an impact right away. So And if on nothing else than the celebration. His dance moves. He was pumping up the crowd. Wow. He was playing with all sorts of energy. So um a good all around performance that makes you think this defense will keep them in football games, but they're not going anywhere playing offense the way that they're playing right no. now. So how far can this defense carry them? I'm not really sure. And I, I'm, I hesitate to get, you know, too excited over a, a win against that Titans team that we mentioned during the week. They were coming off games against the Jaguars and the Eagles. Two wins, probably, you know, due for a letdown. And I think they're not all that good to begin with. But it just goes to show you the, the parity of the NFL and the... You know, the way things can get weird. And when the Bills play defense like that, they're going to be able to hang with just about anybody. Mm-hmm. That's And the defense is really what set the tone right from the outset. And even on the, the Titans' first drive, the turnover that they caused, and that was a very similar game script to what we saw them do in Minnesota, which is what helped lead them to a victory there. And and for them, that's that's very important. It's vital, actually, if they want to actually win games or maybe even less so win games or stay competitive because that's what this season is really about, staying competitive and making sure that your young quarterback is progressing. Now, they're doing the former. The latter is something we're going to get into in just a bit. But in terms of the defense and what they did, I, I think the one matchup that really went into the Bills' favor today was on the interior. The defensive tackles were just dominating the Titans' uh, guards and center. And that was a matchup that when you watch the Titans, you're like, okay, that you can a good defensive front can take advantage of that. And the Bills did just that. Star Latulale was good yet again. I think Latulale gets kind of a bum rap with fans because he was kind of invisible on the first week and mostly because of maybe the percentage of snaps that he plays and that he's mainly invisible, but he plays... And he makes a lot of money. Yes. There's always a target on your back when you make the type of money he makes. But as the cap goes up and everything else, I'm not saying he'll be looked at as a value, but I think they knew... They overpaid a little bit to get him, but they're getting a guy that's making an impact. And guys like that and, you know... Harrison Phillips, Kyle Williams, and you add Jordan Phillips, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you can rotate and keep everybody fresh. Mm-hmm. And I think that made a huge difference for them in this game when, you know, the Titans were trying to run the ball uh, and they were, you know, trying to establish a line of scrimmage and they never really got a chance to mm-hmm. against the Bills. Yeah, so Latulale gets a bum rap. And so if, you, if you're if you thinking to yourself, why the heck do they have that? He's a, he's a bust of a free... Just breathe. Because he's actually been pretty good over the last... I want to say three weeks now. He's he's been solid, um, and and then you look at Harrison Phillips, Jordan Phillips. They both made an impact on the interior when they were in situational pass rushing, and 
and either Shaq Lawson shifted inside or Lorenzo Alexander was inside or heck even sometimes Tremaine Edmonds when he was inside they were doing some damage there and and uh, that is uh, that is a, a great thing for the Bills because it helped make Mariota uncomfortable for the duration of the game to where he couldn't take advantage of certain areas on the field I, whether it be Dean Marlowe at safety which you talked about um, Ryan Lewis slash Philip Gaines at quarter, cornerback, which, by the way, Gaines was basically taking every defensive series by the end of the game. So uh, Lewis must have done something that the Bills didn't like. And But even still, whoever is on the field, that's a potential weakness to take advantage of. And, I mean, there's only one Tredavious White out there. and uh, But I thought the Bills did a, a pretty strong job with that all game long. And then the play of the linebackers. Man, Edmonds and Milano are both just coming into their own. And hey, you think Shawnee McProcess listens to the Bills beat? You think he does? I highly doubt it. Has he, Although, has he heard us? He works out a lot. Maybe he's a big podcast guy. Yeah. Has Maybe he, we're in his rotation. I don't know. Has he heard us wax poetic about Matt Milano losing snaps to Ramon Humber and how ridiculous that is? Because if, it, if that was the catalyst... You're welcome, everyone, because it's over. But I don't think that was the catalyst. I think they have eyes, and they saw what Ramon Humber was unable to do against the Green Bay Packers and uh, thought to themselves, yeah, you know what? I, th- I think we're done with it, with that experiment. So I, that whole front seven just led the way, just like they did against Minnesota. Yeah, I think I, I still can't really figure out what Ramon Humber was doing on the field as often as he was. I know, but... it just, was just so baffling. But Matt Milano continues, I think, to play pretty well. He's not without flaw, no. and he still makes you know the occasional mistake. But you have two guys at that position that are built to play in the NFL the way it's played now. And they can both move. Milano's a converted safety, so you can do different things with those guys. They're both able to play in coverage and getting more consistent when it comes to defending the run and not making mistakes in that area and I think that's why they were so effective against the run today they've actually quietly gotten it together as a run defense which is an area that they struggled last year quite a bit so that's a a positive sign going forward again you know is it a it's a playoff defense but is this a playoff team you know I don't think anybody's gonna go that far just yet but you're you're looking at a team that can definitely um, you know definitely hang with just about any team because when you can stop the run like that and then you have just a rotation of defensive linemen that can come at teams Mm -hmm. all game long you're going to end up getting in the backfield and making some plays Trent Murphy had a sack today Um, Jerry Hughes was in the backfield a few times he had a strip sack he should have had a sack uh, on that play on Marcus Mariota and oh yeah after the game he said he stopped because of the roughing the passer penalty he got under Mariota and lifted him up and he thought if I finish they're gonna call me on this so I should he didn't know what to do whether he should finish the tackle or he should have just held him which that's what he should have done that's what the ref told him he should have driven him back and it would have gotten a whistle Mm -hmm. but instead he just let him go and it almost cost the bills because Mariota threw it up in the end zone maybe Dean Marlowe should have been called for pass interference and then 
a play later, the Titans had that drop in the end zone. So They were fortunate that that specific moment was inconsequential. Right, but it was very it was their first taste I think of that new rule mm-hmm. potentially going against them. So a mistake by Jerry Hughes, but one that's kind of tough to, you know, knock him for too much. But yeah, they have guys that can play uh, you know, they go 3-4 deep there, I think, uh, and that's you know what the strength of this team was supposed to be coming into the season and they still have a hole here or there but Taron Johnson was great again Mm -hmm. when the safeties are healthy they're both playing really well Tredavious White looks like a true number one corner he shut down Corey Davis today so basically all they need is another cornerback and you know maybe some youth on the defensive line three tech and strong Uh, side linebacker but you know other than that They've got a good young core on the defensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. and that's something that they can hang their hat on. It's something that I think will make fans be a little bit more patient with everything that's going on because that is Sean McDermott's calling card, and for a while it looked like they were a mess on that side of the ball, but now it looks like they're more of what you know he thought they were going to be. Yeah, and it seems like they've hit on their offseason moves, which will definitely smooth things over. Before we delve into the Josh Allen conundrum that is uh, that presented itself in this game and really the offense in totality um, did you did you see the bit of news about Hassan Reddick today at all that Jason Lockham Fora dropped I did not okay Hassan Reddick who is the 13th overall pick of the 2017 NFL draft of the Arizona Cardinals someone that you know I'm I'm fairly certain that the Bills were considering drafting at 10th overall had they had they stayed there. Um, someone that definitely would be a fit into Sean McDermott's defense, specifically at the strong side linebacker role. Jason Lockonfora of CBSSports.com reported earlier today that uh, that uh, while Reddick has this wasn't his exact words, but fallen out of favor with the Arizona coaching staff, he's out of the starting lineup. They've got remember this name journeyman linebacker Gerald Hodges, who yes. was with the Bills in training camp last year. He's now starting for the Cardinals at strong side linebacker over Reddick. Um, they are apparently unhappy with how he's not picking up their defensive playbook. So, and keep in mind, this is Steve Wilkes, who just got to the Cardinals from the Carolina Panthers, who was the defensive coordinator there and the defensive coordinator before him, of course, Sean McDermott. However, it leads us to this point where Jason Lockenfora said that the Cardinals are now listening to offers for Hassan Reddick to try and trade him. If I'm the Bills, I'm going for it. Because not only do you have a potential spot on your defense that you haven't shored up for the long term, because you have Lorenzo Alexander there now, but I mean, he's probably in his last year. Maybe they sign him to another one-year deal. Who knows? Because he's playing out of his mind right now. But you have him there. So you don't need a starter right away. So if the knock on this guy is that he he's not getting the defensive playbook, he still slots into the defense the way that you want him. He's got the athleticism to almost be like the Shaq Thompson that, that uh, he had in Carolina that can be a linebacker that lines up in the slot, the big nickel. That, uh, that we've been talking about time and time again here. And you can probably attain him for 
because of how much time he has left on the contract and how much you have to pay for it, you could probably get him for like a fourth round pick, I would say. So if I'm the Bills, I'm jumping on the horn and I'm I'm trying to get that guy to just make one more spot to where you don't have to worry about the defense with the early picks. You don't have to worry about that side of the ball. And you can have him learn under Lorenzo Alexander, who would actually be willing to allow him to learn under him and be willing to teach him because he knows he's probably in the, the final years of, of his career. So if that Reddick opportunity exists, I think Brandon Bean should do uh, should make the call and see, see what the heck it would take. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be a decent situation for Reddick to walk into because of the way Lorenzo Alexander handles younger players. Yes. And also the fact that I believe he was, I don't know how tight, but somewhat tight with Deion Dawkins at Temple. Oh, true. I Um, forgot about that. And so not to say that that means he'd be on the straight and narrow and, you know, become an all-pro just because he has a buddy in the room. But I think it would be a place where he would have some comfort um, in terms of people around him helping him out. The connection is obviously there if, you know, the, you know with Steve Wilkes having worked with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, mm-hmm. if they wanted to swing a deal. It's always one of those weird ones because if he doesn't, you know, if Steve Wilkes doesn't like him, you know, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are cut from the same cloth. So, But at the same time, it's one of those things where a different team in a different spot might be willing to try something a little bit different and give a guy a change of scenery and give him a chance. So it's, he would be a, I thought he was great coming out of college. He's got a ton of talent. Yep. Um, Obviously it's tricky with something like that. They studied him very recently, did a lot of homework on him very recently. He got in a little bit of trouble in college. So they should feel relatively comfortable bringing him in, in terms of the culture aspect and, you know, what they think, uh, you know, in terms of how he would fit because they should know his personality pretty well and they should be able to get some intel from guys on, you know, Steve Wilkes' staff. So it would make a lot of sense. If it's a fourth-round pick, I think it's kind of a layup. Yeah. Um, how much they're going to want for him, how willing they are to part with him, you know, all that remains to be seen. But he's a guy that's talented and could fit into the rotation at a few different spots because he can move around and, you know, maybe it allows you to move Tremaine Edmonds around a little bit. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do a lot of different stuff if you have three versatile, you know, physical linebackers uh, instead of just two. Yeah, and they do have ten picks, so it's not as though they're they have two fourth rounders, by the way. So they, it's not as though they're hurting for picks right now. So yeah, I I I would be all aboard the the train there for for them to go out and actually get that guy. It's just a matter of how much it costs and. And it's also a bit of an interesting situation for Reddick too, because last year he was playing in more of a three-four defense, and they asked him to be a rush linebacker out of necessity. So the original role that they had drafted him for, they took him out of because they needed him elsewhere. And now he's trying to pick up a new defense at a new position without having that time to kind of get acclimated to it. So he's swimming a bit and. I think the the unique part about having a Bill situation is that they have a really good defense. Um, and I think I can put that brand on them after what they've done the last three weeks. Uh, they, they have a really good defense, and they have a veteran leader like Lorenzo Alexander who would want to help him. So I, and, you know, it, I also think Sean McDermott has a way with linebackers. 
Um, linebackers, cornerbacks, and safeties. I don't know what he does because he, like, he always gets these guys to perform above what you think they are. And that is an incredible asset to have on your staff and for it to be your head coach. Now, can he do the same, help do the same or employ people that do the same on the offensive side of the ball? That's ultimately what it's going to be, whether or not he sinks or swims. Which leads us to the offense and Josh Allen. But before we get into that, let's first go into what we're working on. So, Matthew, over at The Athletic, what's new with you? Yeah, um, over at The Athletic on Friday, I posted... I did a story on the wide receivers and um, talked to Kelvin Benjamin. He's <laughs> he's still a little bit clueless about people questioning his effort and things of that nature. I'm not sure there were a ton of answers, I guess, Glean, but the guys all kind of take it personally, all the criticism and everything else. They didn't exactly come out today and reverse that trend in any way. Uh, I didn't think the receivers played all that well yet again. Um, Zay Jones played a bit better today. Yeah, but that's all relative. I yeah. mean, you know, <laughs> and he had three catches, so yeah. um, yeah. 20 yards maybe. Was that right? He didn't have, uh, yeah, three for 20 on four targets with a long of 12. So, I yeah, I wrote about the receivers on Friday, and for tomorrow morning, um, you know, obviously writing about this game, I had a good conversation with Jordan Phillips um, who's excited uh, to be in Buffalo and, and really felt like himself said he you know felt like he was playing worry free for the first time and he didn't know how long um, but the more enlightening conversation I had was with Shaq Lawson hmm. um, who he lost a good friend of his this week and mm-hmm. was playing through it um, and it was a long week for him not a lot of sleep uh, a lot of travel and he had a strip sack today, or, a stri- or he stripped a guy at the ball in what was kind of a pivotal play, pivotal, pivotal play because they got you know some points there, and uh, obviously they needed one more field goal to you know seal the deal. But he played a good game and did so in some trying circumstances, and um, so that'll be sort of the crux of what I'm writing for tomorrow, along with um, you know all the other usual stuff that's in the Monday wrap up uh and you can go to the athletic.com slash bills beat and still get in the door for for 40 percent off right around 299 and hockey season's underway uh so we've got plenty of hockey coverage as well and uh bill season continues to roll along here with a, with a couple more road games that we'll be traveling to and covering so the athletic.com slash bills beat gets you 40 percent off and over at WKBW.com, you'll be able to read my seven observations from the game. And, uh, of course, uh, regular readers of WKBW.com will know that, uh, hey, I picked the Bills to win th- this game. I believe you. Mm, we'd have to, I'd have to watch the tape to know who I picked. but Oh, I know who you picked. I'd have to watch the tape. I know who you picked. So, and this coming from the guy that, uh, you know, tried to destroy my character on the last mm-hmm. podcast with saying that I picked the Bills uh, to cover in Green Bay. Hey, you know, sometimes just, you just don't get it right. You just, don't, you just don't. Sometimes some of us don't get it right more often than others, I think was all I was pointing out. Are you, uh, what's your record this year, buddy? 
Uh, I'd have to watch the tape. Oh, again. okay. All right. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Okay. I believe we're both three and two for what it's worth. So over at WKBW.com, you can uh, find my observations right now. And, um, and yeah, and then on Tuesday, I'll be going through the All-22, furiously figuring out, again, where the offense went wrong. And what made the defense go so well today? I have a strong hunch that it was the play of the defensive tackles, and I have a strong hunch that it was the play of the wide receivers, but that's why the L22 is great, and I'll have the the grades and ranks and season-long grades, all that good stuff over at WKBW.com. Okay, to the offense we go, because this is now the second straight week that they have looked hapless. And I think the only reason that the passing offense gets you know, a buy for the uh, the Minnesota game is because the that was just an overwhelming victory. No one was really expecting it, but it wasn't as though the passing offense really made huge strides. Like, it was all manufactured separation in that game. Josh Allen wasn't really throwing guys open. It was just, it wasn't really pushing the ball down the field. And we've saw, seen a lot of the same things throughout uh, the Green Bay loss and now the, the Tennessee win. I mean, this is an offense that really just has such a critical question right now as to what they want to be or what they want this season to be about. While Sean McDermott has the defense to help keep them in games, which, mind you, 13 or 12 points should always indicate that your team wins the game. But it was very much in question today because that's how poor the offense has played. Heck, even if the Titans would have scored that touchdown, had Williams not dropped the pass that was a clear touchdown, then they would have had 16 points. Guess what? That's still the territory where you should still be winning that game each and every week as long as your offense has a pulse. But that's the problem. They haven't. The passing offense hasn't been going. The running game got going a little bit more. They really dedicated themselves to it. But it's it all leads us to this big point with Josh Allen because it seems like they're trying to limit his turnovers, surround him with, with success in the running game, so that way they don't put too much on his plate to where he has to force things and make, make reckless decisions, everything along those lines. But in the same vein, if you're doing that, then how are you helping him get ready for when the wins actually matter. How are you having this team around him? And I know there's a clear lack of talent on the offensive side of the ball, specifically at wide receiver. They're not winning their routes nearly often enough, and it's really putting putting a stake in exactly what they're trying to do in terms of developing him. But still, what this is the choice that they made. They chose to put him in this spot to where he has to deal with those options. And so what do you do? Do you continue to just play this turnover-free sort of style or that's what you're stressing to him? And then you are you basically have a less accurate version of Tyrod Taylor? Or do you actually let him open it up as, as the season goes along, even if he doesn't have the wide receivers to go along with it? It's that's where this whole crux of things kind of trends towards. And and I think it's an it's a battle inside the building that they don't really know what to do with it right now. You know what? I think 
it's very telling the report that came out this morning um, that the Bills will be signing Derek Anderson or extremely interested in signing Derek Anderson or nothing's what have you. To, yeah, yeah, nothing's finalized, whatever. Either way, <laughs> that 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 they're being tied to Derek Anderson for that backup mentor type role, I think is pretty telling. Because it's a weird time to do that. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it's admitting a mistake. It's correcting for something. Because you're saying that you need that. You know, that that's something that is missing on your roster right now and that it would help Josh Allen, which means he needs more help than what he has right now. And, I mean, we talked about that a lot in training camp and early in this season about how poorly they handled things with just having what they had at the position. Derek Anderson has experience in this offense. It makes sense from a lot of different angles. Again, probably would have made more sense to have him in the building when Josh Allen got here. But it seems like they're kind of just winging it. Mm -hmm. And that's not how you handle a young quarterback. You know, Sean McDermott has criticized game plans uh, last week. You know, he said um, they didn't have a good plan against the Packers. Uh, he's They're now talking about bringing a veteran quarterback, which tells me he thinks Allen needs more support, which is a weird conclusion to have in week five of the NFL season when you already handed the kid the keys to the car uh, after the first game. And there's no going back from that. And there's no, well, there's certainly no going back from it. And then in a game like today, when the offensive line actually played well, and the Bills were able to run the ball, Josh Allen couldn't do anything. And the Titans secondary is good, not great. Mm -hmm. And so Andy's playing at home. His receivers aren't good, but he did not play well today. He was, he's not accurate with the football. Uh, and his play in the pocket, I think, you know, under pressure, leaves a lot to be desired. His processing still seems like it, it's a step or two too slow. And that showed up a lot today. And the good thing, I guess, is that he's not making these back-breaking mistakes that you sometimes see rookie quarterbacks make where he hasn't thrown a pick six yet. Uh, he's not totally screwing up from that standpoint. So give him some credit for managing the game, running around, you know, making something out of what he could, but he's seriously flawed as a quarterback right now. And their offense is seriously flawed in a number of ways. And that's where you have questions about this team, not just next week and the week after, but going forward, because if it's, if you're worried about it right now, you know, like you said, we're referring to on the defensive side of the ball, you know, the way they've been able to accumulate and develop talent, identify talent, and then develop it. There's no proof that they know how to do that on the offensive side of the ball, whether it's identifying the right coaches, identifying the right players, and developing those players. Because who has gotten better on offense in this in the last two years under Sean McDermott? and the rest of this coaching staff, obviously new coordinator and everything else. I guess Deion Dawkins has made some improvements. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's drastic, and I don't know that you could just... 
he's a second round pick, so I'll, he should make improvements. I'll chuck uh, Vlad Dukas in the bucket. Yeah, maybe, but, he but was, he's not a young player. Exactly. He, I think he arrived here as that type of guy. Yeah. Uh, he's not a pro bowler. They didn't, you know, turn him into a pro bowler, but he's serviceable. I think that's kind of what he was for the most part. But the younger guys, you know, Zay Jones, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, I think, has gone downhill since he got here. Uh, you think? Charles Clay hasn't <laughs> been super involved. Um, no, not at all. So, I, I mean, there are questions there. And I think Josh Allen's the biggest one because if he's not trending in the right direction at the end of the season, that's a major concern for this roster going forward. And it's a major concern for this regime and their stability here because they sunk so much into him. And just putting more talent around him isn't going to fix some of what he's doing wrong, at least from where I'm sitting. Right, and it's almost doing a disservice to his, I guess, growth by trying to mute him this year. You know what I mean? Because if they... If they try, and it, it all depends what is most important to them. If it's staying competitive and potentially winning games and, and making mistake doing mistake-free football, then sure, that's, that's all great. But then what was the point of getting rid of Tyrod Taylor? Because that is essentially what you just had. You know, I, I thought the idea of getting a quarterback was to go bigger than Tyrod Taylor to have someone that can help lead your offense. What is he learning by doing that? Is he learning to more or less be a shelf of himself? I'll tell you what, and this is going to scare some people, but today, and and it's way early, so I don't want to get people like too much in a tizzy, but today I'm like, this is very similar to like a Blake Bortles, uh, offensive game the name i was going to bring up that'll probably make people even more scared is because everything you're saying reminds me of ej manuel (laughs) the kind of reining him in yeah and you know doug marone was really didn't want him making mistakes didn't want him doing too much and when when i talked to joey harrington uh in august for that story on young quarterbacks and the challenges that come with it and all that, the number one thing he mentioned was confidence and how when he would make mistakes, he would lose confidence. And when he lost confidence, he would play worse, more mistakes, snowball effect. Mm -hmm. But the thing that he mentioned was he didn't have support. Mm -hmm. And he went at one point into Steve Mariucci's office and asked, you know, give me permission to let loose. Like, give me permission to throw the ball downfield and, and you know, be that type of guy. Mm-hmm. And Mariucci was like, you can come in later and talk if, mm-hmm. if you want. He didn't even, he, he didn't give it to him. And that can mess with a quarterback's head. And so if you're building game plans that way, it's one thing if you're building plans that way because, uh, you know, it's the best thing to do that week or, or what have you. And like you said, it's one game, so you don't really know. But I think it's a humongous misnomer to say... So there's going to be people all over the place that point to the fact that the Bills are such and such a record when LaShawn McCoy has 20 carries. I hate that that stat like more than anything because, of course, when you're winning a game, you're running the ball more. Like yeah. The number of carries, it's not like it's magically 
McCoy hits 20 carries and they win. Boom. I, I don't know that it, it, it just... I, no. Anyways. To do that to a young quarterback and say... So now there's a couple ways in which he may be questioning himself. Mm-hmm. Because he even said at the end of the game, Brian Dable said, we're going to put this in the hands of our offensive line. Anybody who has watched the Bills <laughs> this year... Yes, they were playing well today, but anybody who has watched the Bills this year would be like, you're putting the game in the hands of who? Yeah. John Miller, Vlad Dukas, Russell Bodine? Jordan Mills. Jordan Mills, like, instead of our quarterback? And so I think from that standpoint, I don't know if that creeps in at all. I mean, again, it's hard to measure, and there are different cases for different quarterbacks. But when you have that, and then you have these Derek Anderson rumors, mm-hmm. what's he going to think when Derek Anderson walks in the room? He's not going to be threatened for his job. No, certainly not. But he's thinking, wait, what did I do You know that I need this guy here? Right. And I don't know. I Again, it's early, like you said, and we don't want to you know, hit the panic button and certainly don't want... Certainly don't want the Bills beat listeners panicking. No. I mean, on a Monday morning, they're friends of ours. I, I feel like, you know, good people. Yeah, of course. Smart people listen to the Bills beat, yeah. and I don't want them panicking. No. Nobody needs that. But there's no proof that there's no track record of basically anybody in this organization developing that position and developing, you know, an offense that's forward thinking. And now this goes back to. You know, you play a game the way they played, running the ball fairly well, but not, you know, for a huge yards per carry clip or anything like that. And you you sit there and you think, yep, that worked. <laughs> so you're going to go back to that. And that's not really... Sure, it's cool to beat the Titans at Smash Mouth football or whatever you want to call it, but that's really not the way the game is going, and that's not what the best offenses are doing. And so... It reminds me of in the Colts game last year when they punted, and it worked. Mm-hmm. It was still the wrong decision. And Sean McDermott, when it's convenient, has said, well, I don't worry about the results. It's about the process of making the decision. But you can tie results, positive results, to what you did and draw false conclusions that what you did was correct. And really the long term about this team is is about Josh Allen and whether – they can build the offense around him and let him let loose because otherwise you end up in a Blake Bortles situation where the defense could be amazing and you're still going to wonder, you know, is this guy good enough? Yeah. And he might be caught in that middle ground. And it's a decent comparison, honestly, for Allen with some of the flaws that he has. And to, and to what you just said, it just leads me to this thought. If they're going to go down that road and form the game plan around LaShawn McCoy and, you know, just do that that um, turnover-proof game plan sort of style, then what is the damn point about 2018? Because this was the year. I mean, we hear Sean McDermott every single week talking about how they have young players in the starting lineup, that they're growing, that it's about growth and learning how to do things the right way. What is the freaking point if you're not going to let 
your young quarterback, which, by the way, you chose to put into the starting lineup. We didn't force your hand. You could have continued to trot Nathan Peterman out there and lost every single week. You could have done that, but you chose to do that because you wanted to be more competitive in games and help other positions learn how to be competitive and to go for victories. But at the same time, if you are basically chopping Josh Allen down from the knees and and not allowing him to grow as a quarterback in a season where really the wins and losses don't matter. I'm sure some fans out there will will be like, no, they, they need to make the playoffs. They, they, I want them to make the playoffs every single year. But a large percentage of Bills fans understand where they're at. They understand that they're trying to do this this bigger rebuild. I mean, heck, Sean McDermott this week even said, used the term, quote, this build, which was as close to rebuild as he said in his entire duration of the 2018 season. But if you're not allowing your most important piece to this entire operation, if you're not allowing him to be him or him to find out who he is while continuing to help him grow and continue to be there for him, have the uh, have the open door policy. Have all of these different things to where you keep that confidence up. Even if he's making mistakes, you do so in a constructive way. If you're not doing that, if you're just trying to... If you don't want him to write on the walls with crayons so you don't give him the crayons, what the hell is the point? Because this is not what this season is about. It is about allowing him to progress in a pressure-free, as much as, as you can environment in the 2018 season where wins are not the focal point. We know that. If if they get wins, all well and good. But as long as they're doing it the right way. And this Tennessee Titans win, while it feels good for fans, I'm sure, to to shake off that Green Bay game and and to come here and beat a team that was 3 and 1 on the season, all well and good. But if you're doing it that way at the behest of your rookie quarterback and not doing him the right thing, then this is this is just an an epic mistake. They need to allow him to open things up. They need to allow him to make mistakes. That is the only way you grow as a human. Forget quarterbacking. I mean, were any of us finished products at 22 years old in our professions, in our lives? Don't you need to screw up to figure out oh I shouldn't do that it's either you learn and advance or you don't you can't continue to have glove the the kid gloves on and just go through life not expecting to fail they can't put him in that environment that is not an environment for growth so while I get it he doesn't really have the wide receivers that are gaining separation and they kind of have to curtail the offense to that with that said you still can allow him to go through his reads and and try and learn into this thing now they they only have 11 games left five games are done these 11 games are going to be critical for Josh Allen moving forward and so the longer that they go with this style of game plan the less of a service they're doing themselves in the long term. Right, because I think there's 
some people who will say, well, it worked. And again, is Sean McDermott one of those? He probably, (laughs) he will come out tomorrow and talk about that. I know he will. And about how they controlled the line of scrimmage and they were able to run the ball and this is their identity and X, Y, or Z cliche that he rolls out there. But when you score 13 points, it didn't really work. No. And LaShawn McCoy played well, but not, you know, it wasn't vintage LaShawn McCoy. He had a couple of runs that reminded you of the old LaShawn McCoy, but, you know, it wasn't anything crazy. So I think it's interesting because... Monday, Sean McDermott was pretty critical of Brian Dable in a roundabout way. And Brian Dable probably said, you know what, I'm just going to simplify this. And if they want to run the ball, they want me to give it to Shady, then I'll just give it to Shady. And that's where you're going to get into a weird, you know, are guys second-guessing themselves? Is Brian Dable, you know, second-guessing himself uh, and, you know, overthinking things? Uh, is Josh Allen going to start second-guessing himself because they're not putting the ball in his hands? All of these things matter in the long run. Winning a game 13-12, to 12, cool, neat. You know, I mean, it's better than losing. Uh, sure. But if they had lost, if Steven Hauschka had missed that field goal, if that, you know, touchdown pass gets caught, you know, these are just fine moments that games turn on in the NFL— People are gonna have, people would have their pitchforks out about this offense and how poorly Josh Allen played. So for now, it's okay. The running game worked. The defense played out of its mind, and you know, you take the win. But the larger point being, at the end of the season, you need to have some sort of idea of where to go with this quarterback, mm-hmm. what you need to put around him, what type of confidence you can have in him, and his head needs to be in the right place. And if getting beat up and you know, if if he senses any, you know, lost confidence from, you know, the coaching staff or whoever else, you don't know how that's going to affect him. So it's still early in his development, but it's not super early to the point where you can't judge what's happening because uh, I think, you know, it all, it's all going to play a role in how they approach the offseason. The Bills need to do some soul-searching and figure out what is most important to them this season. Because if it's trying to grind out victories like that, then, hey, more power to you. But don't but don't uh, be surprised when 2019 comes around and you have actual offensive pieces in place and you have Josh Allen going back to default, which is what we saw in this Titans game, which could end up becoming default if if they don't allow him to grow that's you need to find out about him that's you need to find out if he can be given more responsibility because if you just shelter him then there's there's just no point seriously it's what Doug Marone did with EJ Manuel it's and it's what a lot of coaches have done with quarterbacks who have not been good. And the thing is, the Bills actually have some rope here. It's not as though they have to worry about... Sean McDermott has to worry about getting fired. I mean, Brian Dable might feel some heat right now. Maybe that's why we saw the game plan that we did. But even even still, I mean, this is a long-term project. We know that the uh, what they signed up for when they really 
refuse to bring in offensive talent of any kind in the offseason. I mean, what did they do? They brought in Chris Ivory. I mean, outside of Josh Allen. They brought in Chris Ivory. They brought in Ray Ray McLeod. Jeremy Curley. Robert. Who has since been cut. Yeah. Robert Foster. Marshall Newhouse, who has since been traded. So you're telling me that all that they have added for their top 10 pick quarterback, based on what they had last year, which really wasn't that great to begin with, was a sixth round wide receiver, a 30-year-old veteran free agent running back, and an undrafted wide receiver who is basically a one-trick pony on the field. That is what they did. So, I get it. I get all that. Still, you have to see if Josh Allen can help lift these guys up. And I know it's not as easy as that because a lot goes into it with the offensive line and the wide receivers winning on their routes. But you need to see special moments from Josh Allen. And since he has taken over as the starter of the Bills, we have not seen a single special moment through the air. On the ground, definitely. Through the air, no. Yeah, not so much. And the only the ones we saw were in the preseason. As a as a quarterback in 2018 NFL, you have to win through the air. You can't be just a runner first and have to rely on that. They need to see moments of brilliance from him. What what name me one throw since the Los Angeles Chargers game that he has taken over that you're just like, man, that was a humdinger. I mean, he had the long pass to Zay Jones, but that was a wobbler. He the the throw to um who was it? The Kelvin Benjamin in the busted coverage. That was okay. But we just we haven't seen just the woof. Okay. I can see there's something there. Each one of these other rookie quarterbacks have shown a glimpse of what's to come or potential of what's to come. Josh Rosen did it in his first start. Sam Darnold threw three touchdowns today against the Denver Broncos. Rosen had a 75-yard tutty today. Did he really? Well, I haven't He's even... completing 40% of his passes okay. in the game, but he Still, had a touchdown. Moments of brilliance. Baker Mayfield, same sort of deal. They have to allow Josh Allen to do those things, to build confidence in his own mind. Because if if that's not happening, if they're just going to continue to shelter him, then this is this season is worthless. That's this season is all about him, his development. And if they're not allowing him to develop, there's no point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a tricky tricky game to play when it comes to developing a quarterback and I'm very curious to hear the explanation if slash when Derek Anderson walks in the door because I'm not saying it it hurts it doesn't but and it's a move that we've talked about that they probably needed to make but when people have asked me about it whether they would do it I always thought well at this point it's almost you know what are you going to gain Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, Derek Anderson knows the offense somewhat um, and knows the room somewhat because he's spent time in Carolina. But, you know, it's a little bit different 
uh, for him to just walk in the door and almost be what like a quarterbacks coach what does yeah. it say about David Culley what does it say <laughs> about Brian Dable what does yeah. it say about Josh Allen I mean hopefully it, it helps him I guess but also, again it, it speaks to what's the plan do you have a plan or are you just making it up as you go along also uh, what does that say about AJ McCarron who they jettisoned out of here to because they didn't want him in that role got a fifth round pick for him if it was really that important to them to have a, a veteran guy in there then they would have kept him around but uh, I think where Derek Anderson is in his career knowing the score knowing that he's not going in the game if they do indeed sign him whereas AJ McCarron is pining for that chance to get in the game thinking that he should be in the game that doesn't really speak volumes of him and by proxy, that doesn't speak really greatly of uh, of the Bills and their offseason plan at the quarterback position because it was their choice to sign A.J. McCarron. Not really sure what they were expecting, maybe to be the, uh, the veteran stopgap. Before they go to Josh Allen, they found out he really couldn't play all that much to, to what they wanted him to do, and they didn't go for a veteran quarterback a, you know, like a Matt Moore or a Derek Anderson in the offseason because of this, because because they thought maybe he could. So it just goes to the same point. Their their decisions on offense have just been off this year, and they need to figure it out. They really do. So now it's just a matter of allowing Josh Allen to grow because they need to. It's It's really that simple. All right, let's get to the uh, awards portion of the evening. Matthew, first and foremost, the Come On Darlene Award. Who do you got? Yeah, I told you today that I, I telegraphed this one. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I came into this game knowing which direction I was going to go with my, my Come On Darlene. Mostly for, just for the, for the listeners, the loyal listeners who are tweeting at me all day. Uh, pictures of the boy wonder and so the come on Darlene goes to Mike Vrabel on a day when his offense couldn't get it going he had Blaine Gabbert standing on the sideline I mean come on Darlene (laughs) the guy's healthy he's he's you know a proven commodity back there we've I've seen him with my own eyes throw for 300 yards so I mean was that in a preseason game? No, it was, it was at Lambeau Field. Oh, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> history. I get these memories. Where history is made. I get these memories mixed up. Half in jest, but come on, Darlene, to Mike Vrabel for his just stubbornness in leaving the rocket-armed Blaine Gabbert on the sideline. So officially, Blaine Gabbard has now found his way onto the Come On Darlene bracket. So we're going to have to talk well, Mike to Mike Rabel slash Blaine Gabbard. Well, Blaine Gabbard's name will be in there. Yeah. So, man, you just just keep on pushing him down, kicking the can down the road on good old Blaine Gabbard. It's a, it's a streak that um, it, it's going back a ways now. Yeah, really. I'll say. But it's been too easy the last couple of weeks. It might be harder to come up with a reason to bring him up going forward. So I had to get my money's worth. I was also covering this game on very little sleep. <laughs> so I wasn't. I didn't have my eyes peeled for Come On Darlene like I usually do. I, you mentioned there was a guy with 
glorious man boobs that I missed <laughs> it, it was, that showed up on the jumbo. It was so. more aggressive than the one in Baltimore. It so was. I was. I was a little off my game, so I telegraphed my "Come on, Darlene." So, yeah. Well, I if there's one thing, and I, I know you pretty well. If there's one thing I have faith in, it's in your ability to somehow work Blaine Gabbard into each and every week that uh, that we do this podcast. So, don't great don't, success again. Don't, don't beat yourself up. All right, my come on, Darlene. Uh, I I mean, I was looking for some off the rail stuff, and then Corey Bohark has happened. Mm. He lost his mind. I don't know what happened. He thought it was a fake. The rest of the field goal unit didn't think it was a fake. He almost injured his shoulder. He almost threw a pick. Come on, Darlene. And he also almost finished the game with a better quarterback rating than Josh Allen. <laughs> oh, God. 39.6. Josh Allen was at 42 even. That would have been a real <laughs> kick to the teeth for Bills fans, I think. So, yes, my uh, come on, Darlene, is Co- Corey Boharquez performing a fake field goal in which the uh, the other 10 players didn't realize it was a fake field goal. <laughs> Go back and watch the replay of it. And watch Logan Thomas on the right side of the line. What did he do? He just gets absolutely destroyed. Which tells you a couple things. A, that he's not going to want to watch that play on film. But B, that there is no way it was a fake. Because <laughs> he, he he was blocking. Mm-hmm. Or he wasn't blocking, but he was trying to block. Uh, that was his, his intent. There was intent to block. Uh, but it's quite entertaining. He got blown way off the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, what did I, which award did I tell you you had? I think it was the Dreer. Dreer Archer. Archer, Yeah, so you have the Dreer Archer Award for the player who did not show up whatsoever today. Well, because it's kind of, you know, much like the Blaine Gabbert streak on this podcast, I feel like we have a streak of just burying Kelvin Benjamin. (laughs) So I'm going to give the Dreer Archer Award to Kelvin Benjamin because one catch for 11 yards on five targets, I mean... It's getting to the point where maybe Bills fans would prefer he not show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and when his effort is being questioned, when he's constantly criticized and he's in a contract year, we keep talking about, you know, someday he's going to have a breakout game and, and shove it in everyone's face. But mm. And he could have gotten the come on Darlene for the, he didn't even, his attempt to dive for that low Josh <laughs> Allen pass. I mean, I'm going to, refrain from saying something uh insensitive about kelvin benjamin but my god that was a pathetic attempt at a dive he like fell over did not look good and he continues to disappoint um one catch 11 yards add it to the the list i I think i think he passed 100 yards for the year today so he's got that going for him and he has catches this was, you know, he's got catches in 50 of his 51 games, and he's one of only three Bills with catches in all five games this year. Wow. If you thought about it that way, you'd think he's having a good year, but he most certainly is not. All right, well, um, so that goes to Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, the, uh, let's see, the Vontae Davis Award for the player that didn't show up in the second half. I've got a couple of really good candidates here. 
Should I go with the one that we usually bury, or should I go with a different one? Uh, probably a new one. Okay. I will tell you who the one is we usually bury. My come on, darling. Ooh, before I forget, the one thing I'm really interested to see is Kelvin Benjamin's snap count. Because it seemed like he was off the field a lot more than he was even last week or two weeks ago. So I, I wonder if he's going to be more around like 45 to 50% tonight. Okay, anyway. My uh, my Vontae Davis award goes to Ryan Lewis, the cornerback who was basically benched for Philip Gaines. He started the game. Gaines got one defensive series. Then Lewis went back out there. And then once they got back from the second half, Lewis was gone. Just did not. Uh, perhaps he got injured. I don't. If he got injured, then maybe it's good that I'm going to support a backup Vontae Davis award. However, Philip Gaines supplanted him in in the start in the lineup, and it's not as though Gaines is any great shakes. He's he's just okay. But and Gaines actually. Um, had an error on a pretty big play for the Titans where Corey Davis came over on um, on motion from one side to the other. Tredavious White, who was shadowing him all game, ran with him, and they kind of stacked up him and uh, Tajay Sharp. And, and Philip Gaines, at the last second, shaded outside toward Corey Davis, making Tredavious White pick up Sharp. And Davis absolutely blew gains away and had a big gain, 20-plus yard gain. Whereas they have to be communicating. They have to get Tredavious White in the spot to where he is on Corey Davis. There is a reason why he is shadowing them. And they cannot allow something as simple as motion take them away from that game plan. Anyway, so Ryan Lewis gets my Vontae Davis award. But the backup Vontae Davis award, in case Lewis was injured, Charles Clay. No targets. No catches in the second half. And he was just one catch for 12 yards. Yes. On one target. Yes. So. Yeah. Pretty strong candidate. But again, Josh Allen stunk today yeah. too. Yeah, he so, did. Uh, 10 for 19, 82 yards and a pick. So. Yeah. Sure did. A lot of blame to go around. But, hey. It was a win. <laughs> which makes tomorrow Victory Monday. I guess. Yeah, yeah. So Sean McDermott will talk on Monday at 4 o'clock. Um, and the next time we will speak with you will be on Thursday ahead of the uh, game against the Houston Texans. The Bills are now 2-3 and three on the season. And more so than anything, they've found some answers on defense, but they've created even more questions on offense and, quite, and mostly about their quarterback and their direction with how they want to proceed in the 2018 season with Josh Allen. My name is Joe Biscaglia for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. Thank you all for listening to us here on the Bills Beat, and we will talk to you on Thursday. See ya.